You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. How you guys doing? David Hall. Hello, hello. And Greg Hector. Hey, everybody. Well, hey, welcome. All right, it's the NIS off week. I'm kind of lost this week. But, boy, there's a lot to talk about, so let's get right to it. Brian, let's talk dirt racing first. Okay, guys. Um, Monday night was uh, round five of the World of Outlaws late model series, um, and that was at Lernerville Speedway. And uh, round five marks the halfway mark of the season. And um, coming into the race, Evan C. was the new points leader with uh, Dylan Wilson in second and Hayden Cardwell, who dropped to third place after last week. So Dylan Wilson sets the fast time in qualifying, and he goes on to win the first heat after that. Hayden Cardwell finishes first in heat two from a third starting position, and Evan C. wins the third heat, and Kendall Tucker Tucker won the fourth and final heat. So we're setting up with the top three points uh, drivers are in the top three positions in the feature race. So it's setting up a contest who's going to establish themselves as to who's going to be the one to beat in the second half of the season coming up. So when the green flag drops, Wilson, he establishes an early lead until lap 16 when the first caution came out with uh, C in second and Wilson in third place. Or I'm sorry, that would be Hayden Carwell was in third place at the point at that point. And then uh, the, there's a quick, another quick caution where the field got stacked up on a restart. The bunch of cars that got turned and, and uh, rolled over. And Hardwell moved into second place with a quick jump on the restart. And then finally on lap 24, uh, Hayden Carwell and Dylan Wilson exchanged slide jobs and crossovers. But Hayden Carwell takes over the lead and goes on to win the win the race. <clears throat> also, uh, he reclaimed the spot as the top points leader over Dylan Wilson, who finished fourth in the race by seven points. And Evan C, who dropped the third in points after he finished disappointing sixth in the feature. So the second half of the season is going to start next week at the Bull Ring at Kokomo Speedway. That's a nice recovery for Hayden Cardwell after uh, his, his uh, race last week. I, I sorry I missed this one, but boy, it looks like he really came back and uh, pointed out that he's the guy to beat. Yeah, one thing I wanted to mention is that he's been really the fastest driver all season. He's just had two really bad weeks where he started in the B main and and drove up to a top ten finish, but it really hurt him in the points. And another thing that I've been noticing is that he's not just fast, but he is aggressive. Uh, he will he he will not hesitate moving people out of the way, and you know rubbing fenders to to get to the front. And I think the second half of the season, he's going to be the guy to beat. And I think other drivers are going to have to step up their aggressiveness to try to uh, compete with him to win this championship. Yeah, and so points are Hayden Cardwell three forty one, Dylan Wilson three thirty four, so he's only seven points out, and then Evan Say three thirty three. Dylan Hauser, 30 back in fourth, 
and Kendall Tucker in fifth, 295. Yeah, I think it's shaping up to be a really good second half of the season. All right, I got to find time to watch it. I get the alerts on my phone, but I'm always like doing wife stuff or doing stuff at that moment, and I'm not able to, but we'll try next week. David, uh, we got the iRacing Not Top 10. Yeah, this one was a pretty entertaining video. It starts off, uh, there's, there was quite a few on here, and I can't remember exactly what order they were in, but there is a really funny one where there's a formula car f or a skippy following another skippy, and the skippy's nose just suddenly comes off and destroys the car behind it. They're just traveling down the straightaway, and it pops off. There's another one where a car just drops the wheel right in front of another car, takes it out. There's a GT car when we were at Daytona last week that actually misses turn one but spins into the, the pit road wall, rolls over the pit wall, lands back on the main road, and keeps going. That was great, that one. Um, and there was one where a guy was asking whether he should start in third or second gear, pops it into second gear, blows the engine. That was the MX-5. Um, then you had some of your classic bad choices with passing and se severe pileups. Then it closed out with a Daytona finish where the, the car that finished was, was I don't know, uh, 200 feet in the grass. Way down in the grass. Yeah, that was that was the '87 Monte Carlos too. Mm -hmm. So that but he crossed the line first, right? I don't remember if he was actually in the lead when he got hit. So I don't know if you could call it a pass in the grass or not. Even though the real pass in the grass wasn't a pass. I love the uh, Bathurst. Uh, they all piled up in that you know real narrow part as you go down the hill at Bathurst, and it like totally clogged up. There was not even a, a way to get through there at all, and they just kept piling in. The best part of that, though, is it shows the uh, the damage model really comes into effect. In a lot of these videos, the damage model is starting to show up a lot more, and it's, it's really nice to see, but <laughs> that was a big wreck in the Bathurst one. Well, in one of... Uh... In one of Snell Racing's most recent videos, Annie put out a video talking about surviving IMSA. And literally, how your race is going to go depends on whether or not you survive the first lap. Because there's just... There's always somebody that gets in there and thinks I'm going to win right now. I'm going to go, I'm going to pass all these people while we're all going slow. When you have 45 minutes to race in every race, it just happens. So you're going to always have that kind of stuff going on. Uh, but it was an entertaining watch. It always is. And the one you mentioned where the guy lost his wing and then it it was on the track and the guy caught it on his wheel. The moment he caught it on his wheel he was not driving the car anymore. The car went straight right into the wall and he was just a passenger. And it was, and it was the first time I've seen that with the new damage model. So that was kind of cool to see. It was also cool to see a tire rolling. Like it, like instead of just like falling off and going out, it kind of rolled down the straightaway like it would normally. Right. Yeah. Loving the new damage model. I want to see it during a race that I'm always seeing on these videos, but I don't, I haven't seen it firsthand a lot. Well, it's, it's it's interesting to see how that the that's all come into effect, but uh, I guess now that uh, we got Tyler New knew it here um, has been very busy with the uh, Indy Pro 2000. Is this uh is this the car that uh, Tony likes to run? Yeah. Okay, so maybe Tony should get this for the uh, um, the AI. So <laughs> he painted the whole 2020 car set 
uh, and it's in Trading Paint. So um, if he put a link in the post to go find it on or on the forms here to go and find it. But that's a that's an undertaking just to paint all those cars. So good on him. Yeah, car sets are cool, and if you're doing AI at all, you've got to get a car set to go with it in Trading Paints. And you just basically go hit Favorite in Trading Paints on the car set you want. And and then when you're in the beta UI and you're setting up the beta race, you can pick that out of the drop-down list. And so whenever I run the cup car, I have a car set that has all the traditional cup cars and you know, Kyle Busch and the M&Ms and Denny Hamlin and the FedEx and all of them. So it's kind of cool to have that when you're in the race. Uh, next up, just a, an alert that uh, Discord did go down apparently globally for about an hour uh, this last week uh, due to Cloudflare issues, Cloudflare issues. Cloudflare is some kind of internet server system, I understand, but... Uh, I heard about it on the Facebook group. Some of the drivers were saying they couldn't get it in their Discord. And then we found an article on TheVerge.com that uh, talked in detail about it. But we use TeamSpeak, and we pay for it, so I'm not too worried about Discord. <laughs> Discord is very highly used, though, in the uh, league community. A lot of streamers have their own Discord channels going as well. Well, and you get what you pay for, right? Most of the time. Um, or eventually you have to start paying for it. One of the, the biggest thing I can't stand with Discord is the file size limit. If you're not a premium user or, or, or whatever, you can't upload videos. And so it gets really, you know, we're sharing videos of crashes all the time in, in our messenger on Facebook. And you can't do that on Discord. But you can share pictures. Um, and speaking of shared pictures, Greg West shared one recently, which is basically a th uh, the 3D model rendering of the new LMP2 that'll be coming out at some point. It's a clay model is what it looks like. I think it's still rendered, but it's rendered to look like a clay model. That just happens if you don't have any texture on there. I see. It's basically their rendering on their blank screen that they always take the screenshot of once they actually release it. They just said, they, like David said, they haven't they haven't put any paint to or anything to it. It's just basically the raw feeling of the car there. But it looks it looks like it'll be a fun car. But isn't this going to be out of date by the time we get it? Almost. Well, I was going to ask that. Yeah. But what what I hope they'll just at least do is, even though it's not actually a C7 or an uh, or used in IMSA, put it in IMSA and just throw that C7 in the trash. Since we got it coming, put this one in IMSA and, and get rid of the C7. And you'll see the roll, you'll see the numbers go up. I've, I've said it before, I've seen 200 people register for an IMSA race and in the top split there was two C7s in the entire field. Yeah, yeah it seems and like it's, a, it's an out, that's an outdated car big time that needed to have been updated a long time ago and then it just seems like this series is always behind on the uploads. Yeah, it got worse when they added the GTE cars because at first the GT3 cars and the C7s had enough of a difference that if you get a lower I rating guy stuck up in, an, in the wrong split, it wasn't a nightmare. But there's there's plenty of times that the that C7 driver can't keep up with the GTEs, except he's faster in the straights because he's got more horsepower. 
but he can't get through the corners as fast. And so he's got a slower lap time and it's just a constant headache because they're getting in each other's way. So is it the right LMP2 to do? It's, it's, I think it's a matter of it, they can get what they can get. I think well, the reason they can't get the newer cars is these teams aren't going to share that. Well, there's the, all of the LMPs are going to a new, completely new build. Like the, this model is going away. And so they're, they've already said they're not going to scan the DPI because the DPI is going away. But um, if they're not going to, this is close to the DPI. It is closer than the C7 is. So what I'm saying is even though it's technically not run in real IMSA, well, neither is that C7. So throw it in there. So just right. so that there's a little bit, a little bit better split between the split between the classes. So I think the biggest problem that we have with some of these series is they're all manufactured driven, and they don't want to give up their secrets and things like that to to get it out. You got to get every individual manufacturer that um, on the roadside. It, it, it's a lot more difficult when it's so many different cars in one series. It's actually the builders or the constructors that won't let you go get near their cars. The thing is, is the only way to fix that is if the sanctioning body demands it. Okay, you guys need to each cough up your your you know blueprints over to iRacing, all of you. I just I remember back when you know you, you had video the video games uh, and even like the old. I don't remember if NASCAR two thousand three had manufacturers. I think it did, but. Some of the years before that, from Papyrus and stuff, they didn't they didn't get the rights to any of the manufacturers for the NASCAR series. So like it's the license agreements for manufacturers and stuff like that is so hard. Now we were talking about a road card there. Um, one guy that doesn't have any problem on the road uh, in any car it seems, but uh, iRacing uh, put up a tweet this week and uh, Max Benecke, uh I didn't even think it could it, it could keep going up as high as he's got it, but he's reached 11,000 I rating. It's the highest I rating ever reached. And especially on the roadside. Um, and I, I, I went back to see his, his thing. I guess it was a, a, a second place finish that got him that over the uh, 11,000 mark, uh, in his race. So man, uh, that, that guy's, uh, definitely getting it done on the roadside here. I think it's a product of him being in the Porsche uh, Super Cup series where you're racing all these other drivers that have super high I rating and you're beating them and you're, you know, you're finishing second and top five and whatnot. And he's taken the, that I rating from those guys, uh, even though he's the highest I rating, uh, you know, if he's finishing top five, he's still gaining. So, yeah, I always thought 10,000 was kind of a mark where you couldn't really go much past it. And I uh, didn't think that this was even a possibility until this was published this week, that he hit the mark. I'm like a little bit surprised. Do you think this is a, a product of the amount of people on iRacing? There's more, more, more uh, drivers that have more port points available to spread out? Yes. Well, and Brian, it's great that you brought that up because I was looking back from like my 2010, 2011, 2012 racing series. And the amount of people that were on iRacing then wasn't a lot. And I was looking at size of fields and it was like, you know, I had a lot of races that 15 cars was the max in like some of my oval starts. So 
yeah, it's really hard to gain. And, you know, you, you, you wreck out, you really lose. But to gain, you need five or six races just to gain that are good. So, yeah, the more people we have on here, the, the more that this will go up. Because I remember when I was around the 4,500 mark on my I rating, I was like, you know, if you look at the rankings, you can see the ranking numbers. I think I was in the top 250, 300 drivers in I rating back then. Like, I think 6,000 was the high high mark then so now look at it's gone you know it's gone five or six years maybe more than that to get to 11 like i wonder if i wonder if we'll see eventually a 12,000 here the more we get on here i would think so the milestones are neat but it again the relative i rating is all based on relativity basically who, who you're racing against so the more and more people come in the more that i rating is going to trickle up well, and I, when I was looking back at all his stats, he doesn't race very often, so it's hard for him to build it up. He races in the series that, like, he could be doing a lot of hosted and stuff. I was just looking at official stuff. But he, I mean, he could probably enter in a bunch of races and, 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 and steal wins, but he's probably only going to, he's probably only going to go up by, like, 10 or 15 I rating at a time, even if he just gets win after win, right? He's right, also, he's also probably staying out of of a lot of the places where it's really easy to get caught up in all the early miss or racing those with an alt account like a lot of the other guys do. I never looked to see if he had a second account. But that would, you know, I would think with maybe this too, wouldn't they would have a, on the oval side, you think uh, Majeski's going to see if he can hit 11,000? Because I think he's at 10.7 or 10.5 or something like that. If he runs, he's pretty busy on the real circuit, so um, I'm not sure if he's on much. Yeah, maybe in the off season. Who knows when there's an off season now, right? Good point. Well, we have the good news there from iRacing about Max Beneke. Now it's on to kind of a, I don't know, this was kind of a shocking note for most of us when we went, I think it was you, Mike, that found this when we were racing the other night. Um... But Burton Kligger uh, Esports put out a statement saying um, they have ended the relationship with Ashton Crowder effective immediately. A new driver for the 77 will be announced at a to-be-determined date. So obviously there's probably figuring something out or maybe they'll leave the car empty for the rest of the season. We don't know. Wow, that's big. I don't think that's happened before. We've seen people get like suspended for a race and stuff like that, but this is permanent. Well, and and I I know Mike, when you found it, I think you were having you had just gotten out of a race or something that night, and you just were we were chatting with us while we were racing, and you're trying to find all the the information you could. You were searching around and stuff, and then there was nothing posted about it uh, from Ashton until a little bit later on. And was it maybe the next day? Yeah, we were trying to find a reason. Obviously, uh, Burton Kligerman Esports didn't say why. Uh, of course, there were commentary on the social media, people speculating and guessing and whatnot. I never found anything concrete. But uh, there was a post the next morning by Ashton Crowder. Now, we've had Ashton on this show before. He's a, a fine young gentleman, from what I can tell. He was the guy who uh, was really into Justin Bieber, I think. <laughs> uh, here's what he said. I'm going to read it. Uh, he put it on Instagram. Uh, I am saddened to re- the release... I am saddened to release that I am no longer associated with BKE uh, following remarks I made on social media. 
I was notified of my release. I stand behind my opinion and comments as my actions were intended as good in an effort to defend a close friend uh, to put rest the rumors of me cheating on the iRacing service at any time and any racial remarks are untrue and unrelated. I wish BKE the best in their future racing endeavors. So he's referring to some of those comments I mentioned. Of course, people were uh, speculating it was racial remarks. Uh, that was untrue, he claims here, um, as well as cheating. He got caught cheating, and of course, that he also denies. Uh, but he did say that he did post on social media to defend a close friend. So it sounds like that may be the reason that uh, he was removed from that Coke team. Now, the question remains, is he still in the Coke series? We haven't heard anything from iRacing about this. Well, I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, it, iRacing hasn't suspended him or done anything as far as we're aware of. And he's earned the right, technically, you know, to be in that series. So... I don't see how he can be out of the series. I guess he just won't be in a, the number 77 car at that point. Well, and to go with Brian's point there, like this series was based on, you know, you're getting in and out of uh, winning, like qualifying from series of things. Like, this wasn't about sponsorship that made you get into this series. This isn't the best sponsored drivers. This is the best drivers in in the oval series by their merits so he should still be a driver in that series unless they want to set a precedence here and then start changing the way series are run and if he just defended something on facebook that doesn't have anything to do with because we've been we've had a thing on facebook that's happened to us and iRacing hasn't done anything about it um so if iRacing wants to get involved in things that aren't iRacing then this is going to start looking bad on them if these sponsors start taking over um, this series and being a sponsored series and not a merit series. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Craig. It's like this this might determine how much control these sponsors have of the series. Because that'll open up this slippery slope. Um, there was a there's been a lot of controversy in real racing over the double zero car, right? Yep. Yeah. And um, yeah. He basically bought his ride, right? Uh, did, barely raced his way in, um, and there's been a lot of controversy and discussion on on that. And, and I hope the Coke Series never goes that way. I love having the sponsorship money in, but I hope it ultimately still comes down to the top 20 pro drivers move into the Coke Series every year because that that relegation that well that and the relegation adds an extra layer of of drama. That you know, after the as as the top racers are racing for the playoffs, there's still something for the back racers to to race for too, right? right. So top it's, 20, baby. it's just better. It's just better, right? Exactly. And you have drivers like Zach Novak who won won last year who are not in the top twenty, and uh, you know that is a that's a great story to follow throughout the rest of the year. Well, and the other thing that's really I was thinking about this too. Okay, so say they pull him out of the series just for the end of this season because of this thing, and and they go on. Can he qualify again someday? Like this is this is, goes back to like even what happened in real NASCAR with the mistake from uh, Kyle Larson. You know, you know we all make mistakes. You know, you can't you can't you can't hold something against somebody forever because it's not going to be. 
if in NASCAR it's based on the sponsors and manufacturers and things like that, but this was never designed that way. So if they kick him out and it's like and not letting him qualify again because uh, I don't, I'm not sure where he was in the standings when this happened, but it's 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 not what the series started off as. And if 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 it starts making this precedence this way, I don't I don't think. It's from what it sounds like, it doesn't seem like it'll be a fun series if that's how it's going to get dictated. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, we don't know the reason that uh, this, you know, Burton Kligerman uh, released him, um, and so we don't know the severity of it. But you know, reading between the lines, I'm going to say this is cancel culture at its finest in 2020. Uh, something, you know, you say the wrong little thing just once, and boom, you're gone. And uh, I don't know if that's what it is or not, but I got a feeling that's what it is. But it, it's a shame. Uh, he's a good kid, so I'm uh, sorry to see this happen. Well, and like you just said, he's a kid. None of these guys probably up until the last couple of years had anything to do with PR or things like that. Anyone, like any of these kids, like Zach Novak, he was, what, 16 when he came into the series? So yeah. what, what would he have know about being politically correct or PR or anything like that unless they're trained and things like that. So how much how much did Burton Clicker eSports work with him on, you know, they probably had discussions of what you can and can't say, but, you know, he's still a human being. He's a kid. He has emotions. He's still growing up. He, he's got things that are going on in his life, and he thought what he said or whatever happened was what he believed. So it's it's just unfortunate for a, a, a someone that we that you know we've dealt with that we seem that seems to be a great kid, right? Right, and and this whole whole Coke series and all has exploded pretty quickly over the past year and a half um, with the amount of money that's come into it and the exposure that's come into it. So um, these kids, I just don't think a lot of them are prepared for it. Well, best of luck to Ashton Crowder. I hope he stays on track and finishes out the season. And uh, maybe in, you know, we'll have to see how this plays out. Let's keep moving. Well, hopefully something that won't take too long in the future is the cautions. We've talked about this several times, and we're going to probably keep talking about it until it, well, until it gets replied. Um, iRacing member AJ Maselma posted his thoughts about how to shorten the cautions. And the, the, what he listed is actually literally exactly how it went until they made the change to the Pocono track and Indy track. That's the way it used to work was basically one, two, three, go, right? Uh, it is too long. We've shown the evidence. And again, we had somebody reply on the thread. The cautions aren't too long. Uh, if you enjoy, at, yeah, if you enjoy sitting there for four laps under caution when, when we, they've already said, Hey, we want to make the cautions quicker. So they shortened them down to two laps at Pocono, why make it four at at all the mile and a half tracks and mile tracks? It's been three the entire time I've been here. Yeah, and and the only place I could see maybe maybe at Bristol and in Martinsville maybe four would be cool because it's so chaotic getting everybody in and out of the pits. But um, it it can't be on purpose. It's a mistake, and they they're not. It, I, I can't see how they would have done that. Hey, we're going to make costs shorter at Pocono, but let's make them longer at Kentucky. It doesn't make sense. I really? Sorry, Mike. I really hope that this gets resolved before the full race at Darlington. 
and it seems like that's the opposite way they've been trying to go with like um, the new rules with the super speedways where you know uh, lap cars can pit in the same lap as the elite cars to shorten up the cautions that's exactly what that's exactly when this happened they made the speedway shorter but something changed and made the the mile and a halfers and shorter longer and it has it has to be a mistake and i wish they would at least address it and say hey yeah we're looking at this but they they seem to be ignoring this one the spotter also doesn't call, call out the lucky dog anymore like it used to uh we were hoping this was fixed in the build this morning i did run a hosted race uh by, hosted by Tim Duggar at Kansas in the super late uh, after the build. And yeah, the cautions are definitely too long. Everybody in there was like, oh my God, this is miserable. Okay, next up I have is, hey, uh, Timmy Hill. Uh, of course, they went to Texas in the NASCAR series uh, recently here. Uh, he took a trip into Victory Lane and they set him up at the Texas Motor Speedway with one of those uh, fancy uh, signature cowboy hats. And he got his photograph uh, shot in the Texas uh, Speedy Cash Victory Lane with his, uh, I didn't see that he got the, the six shooters though, but he definitely got the cowboy hat. So pretty cool uh, for Timmy Hill. This one is the boots. This this race was the boots, Mike. Oh, it's it the boots, it, I see. Yeah, the six shooters are the fall one. So this was in reference to him winning the virtual Texas Motor Speedway during the Pro Invitational Series this spring. And somebody in one of the races this weekend did get a shotgun, didn't they? Or a rifle? That's like <laughs> the best trophy. Uh, no, it, that would be an interesting poll. What's, what's, what, what do you think is the best trophy in NASCAR? I'm going to go well, with the clock. I was going to say the most coveted one is going to be the Daytona 500 if everybody wants. But I think the nicest trophy is, like you said, the clock, maybe uh, Miles the Monster. Bristol 500, man, that one's a beauty. Or the giant lobster. Funny you say that. Lobster, lobster. Well, speaking of boots, um, Watkins Glen is getting the boot. They're, according to Tyler Hudson, the I, iRacing staff member, uh, Watkin Glen will be switched to Daytona in the upcoming NIS and in the Coke series. So, um, so Watkin Glen is gone, and Daytona is going to take its place. Um, there were some comments on the uh, thread, um, and including from our own Mike, because um, uh, one of the one of the iRacers wrote, uh, uh, "Why does this have to switch here?" We didn't switch any of the other tracks with the schedule changes due to the COVID situation. And uh, Mike agreed with uh, with that sentiment. He said, our schedules are published. We're not affected by the COVID. So the question comes back to why? Why are we doing this? Yeah, it was a good question, I thought, um, because we haven't changed and we haven't been following what NASCAR has done because they're running two races a week and all this stuff. Mike, what I wanted to ask, because I was pretty heated in the discussion we were having on our messenger about it, because I was trying to explain why it was unique and why they were doing it. Um, but my question is, what would you think if we, if all of a sudden at the start of the season when COVID happened and the schedule all of a sudden changed and we're now racing the same kind of tracks together, you wouldn't want that, right? No, not at all. I think the only reason they're doing it this is just because this is probably a one-off chance to do this track with the cup car because 
they're probably not going to run the cup cars there permanently. They're going to run, you know, Daytona's are going to get their two restrictor plates. They're not going to take a, a, an event probably to the to the road course from the Daytona. They're just doing it here because, you know, they've already got a Daytona 500 in. They're already going to have the other Daytona race in, so they got their two restrictor plates. And this year, they got the road course. Well, but they might as well do it. But you are forgetting the shootout was going to be road course this year. Yeah, but that was a one-off that they were doing because they wanted to. They did not have any time with this with those new cars on the super speedway. They're going to have a whole year of testing next year. They're not going to do it in the following year. Yep. The other thing I would right. have suggested. I like the idea of adding this race. Um, I think they could have dropped it in one of the off weeks instead of getting rid of Watkins. But yes, I uh, agree with that. Um, you know what's done is done. Or it could certainly have been added to the um, the regular schedule uh, A class series. You know the the sanctioned series. Yeah, what they should have done is instead of having maybe either move the Watkins Glen up a week because it's not on it, and then move the other one to the week of the Watkins Glen. Or move it the week before because I think it goes Phoenix in the off week, and then there's another off week in the NIS, so that goes to Darlington, and then we go to Michigan Watkins Glen. So I don't know where you you know you could have used they could have maybe moved it into the the two weeks that we have off here, right? Yeah, and I asked the question on social media as well uh, why. And I got a good response from uh, none other than Matt Busa, who's one of our Coke drivers, who ran so well this last race. Uh, he said this, the Cup Series is racing there for the first time, so now our series can be a preview of the Cup race. And he's referring to the Coke Series because they're also going to do the D Daytona Road. And he said, it does make sense for us to race the track just a few days before the three main NASCAR series race on it. Our race can be marketed as a preview of the action coming up that weekend. I like it. That's going to be an awesome race because, you know, you get a little bit of practice. Because I know in the actual series, they're not giving any practice to go on that track. It's going to be their first laps as they go on the track. But at least these, these Coke guys are going to get a chance to be in the sim time and make and put on a really good event because the Roval is always a good event. So this, I can't see why this wouldn't be. There's going to be a lot of mistakes in turn one. That's, that's going to be such a hard corner because these cars do not corner while you're braking. Nope. Uh, so our next topic in, I was just actually speaking with Anthony or, or texting with Anthony just a little bit ago. Uh, Anthony Alfredo, a previous guest and truck driver. He does some Xfinity too, doesn't he? Yep. RCR. And, and a lot of, a lot of streaming. He has an, an iRacing league and he's put out another tweet saying, uh, don't miss a chance to compete in his iRacing lead. He, he boasts it is one of the most competitive leagues out there. Um, your your chance to qualify for the second season it, for the ERL is this weekend. It's called the Esports Racing League. It has a time attack session that will be going from 8 p.m. Eastern Time this Friday until 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday. The car and track combo is NASCAR Cup cars at Darlington in the heat of the summer. That'll be slick. Sounds like a pretty good league. Now, we skipped one here, David. Um... Tyler Hudson had just, this is going to be a quick here on here, but uh, Tyler Hudson uh, posted up, it's that time of year 
or time and season again for season four um, schedule ideas. So you can they put up the links, I guess, to make up all the schedules and the community can go through it and uh, submit their ideas and uh, try and get a schedule for all the series uh, for, for season four. Scrolling too far is bad, okay? <laughs> Next, we got the uh, a nice poll. We love polls in the forums. And this, this poll was, uh, how about a 70s Trans Am series? Would iRacing consider another throwback series? And so uh, looking at the results, uh, yes, 76% say yes, uh, no, 13%. I'm looking for if uh, our, our, our Trans Am expert from uh, Team Tafosi has posted anything in here, but he hasn't. Yeah, um, Bobby, Bobby Jonas, Jonas, he goes uh, over to R Factor to run Trans Am, and he said it was a joke last time he was over there. I'd like to see the, these. Some of these old cars are really nice to, you know, that, that, that was a good series back then. Um, you know, I would like to see series like this, maybe like a, an IROC the IROC series brought back or something like that too. But, you know, all these series got to be, you know, thought of because there's, there's a lot of want for, for vintage stuff on here, especially from what they saw, from what they got with those legends cars. I agree. I mean, that's the reason I would, before the legend cars, I probably would have said no to this, but after running that car and loving it so much, I, I would be loving this, I think. Yeah, and I think the popularity of that uh, the 87 car is probably making iRacing think about doing more retro um, cars like this um, based on how much how well that series did. Well, you guys say it's popular, but I don't know if it is anymore. It was when it started. I mean, nowadays, in the, you know, in the middle of a weekday night, we're lucky to get two splits. Um, we ne never get three, and so... I'd love to see more people involved in it because it is one of the hardest cars on iRacing and it's just a blast. I think you're the biggest problem, Mike, too, is you're in the heat of the summer here. People are finally allowed to go out and stuff. I think things have changed a little bit here. I think the further we get back and later in the year, it might pick up again. I hope so. It's almost like there needs to be some stats about this. What do you think, Brian? Well, there are. Well, not for that, but... Um... Job Hammer uh, posted a um, on the forums a five-year aggregated stats in the NIS series open. So he goes back five years in stats uh, as to um, as to things like uh, incidents per person per race, total participants, um, and uh, as you would imagine, it's been going up ever since 2016 uh, to 2020. Uh, the total participant average, uh, I rating has uh, has increased. Um, the amount of races run is actually down this year, 4.8 um, races run in 2020, as opposed to 9.2 in 2019. That's a big change. That's a big drop off. Um, another thing that was interesting is that he said that 2018 that the stats were skewed a little bit because. Um, uh, the VRS uh, was offering the free setups for the Open Series, so it might have skewed the numbers a little bit that year. Yeah, this is like the half-year mark, uh, so we're only halfway through. So it, as of New Hampshire, July, NIS is what he's counting. And so 
I, I think the big thing is when you look at total uh, of participants, um, you know, 2020, 5,183. 2019, 2979. Uh, 2018, 2980. So 2018 and 2019 were identical, and then it jumped huge up to 5183. So we've had a total of 5,000 participants for the NIS series, but only 1,200 of them have more than five starts. Yeah, we've noticed the splits have definitely gone down as we've gotten into the into the late summer. Also, look at the average I rating and look how much it dropped. That's because it's diluting, right? Yeah. We're talking Get about more all, people. all the more people and then all those I rating points are floating their way up for Benicky. There you go. And, and I think it, a lot of it is people, uh, we get a lot of people to start the Daytona 500, but then they never run again. And that's, that's affecting this. Well, if you look at, <laughs> and you're going to, you know, if you look at it, things that, that hurt the numbers, the long races start, will hurt the numbers a bit, right? Like any of the long events, that kind of doesn't have a lot of splits. Uh, your guys' favorite thing, road courses, that doesn't help the splits. Um, I'm, you know, it, it, it's good to see we have more people on, which we've known that there's going to be more people racing and stuff. I just thought that number would be a little bit higher than 5,000 participants, but that's maybe just I'm overthinking it. It's open only, not fixed. Fixed is usually a lot higher than open. Thanks, John, uh, for putting those together. Uh, John Hammer been on this podcast a bunch of times. We're happy to have him as a friend of the podcast. So... We have had an update to the beta UI. Um, and it's not really a big update. It just has a couple fixes in here. Um, they've just resolved uh, a filter tag drop down menu for a session series. Um, they've to create a race. They fixed uh, an issue with the league icons and st- uh, to create a race instead of the card icon. Um, heat racing has resolved an issue. Um, just a little bit of cleanup, it looks like, on the beta UI and uh, got things sorted out, I guess, for it. So beta UI had a minor uh, update. We have a special announcement. Um, joining our previous guest, Landon Castle, Bob Jenkins is going to be on the call for the Kick in the Tires 150 at Bristol. And that says tonight. So is that actually tonight? As in, as we're recording? Um, I think it was July 20th, three days okay. ago. So that happened. I didn't watch it. But, uh, no, I didn't watch it. But man, I was I was salivating at the thought of listening to Bob Jenkins call a race. I mean, Bob is a legend, man. And I always get excited when we get these announcers from the past. Uh, Ken Squire and Bob Jenkins and Alan Bestwick. Uh, involved in these uh, sim racing broadcasts. Um, I don't know. It just really ties uh, the real world and sim world together for me in some way that just pleases me to like punch. I don't know why. I'd love to see the MRN crew to get together and actually do a real radio broadcast where it, where Dave Moody and, and uh, Bagley are actually watching only from the corner and calling it like that. That would be cool. I actually uh, did watch a little of the video with him on it, and it's it's just amazing how your ears perk up when you hear a voice that's so familiar to you. It's it's really a cool thing that he was doing that on a on an iRacing 
Riz. I just uh, turned on the broadcast. It was the other night. Um, actually, it's really interesting to hear his voice while uh, the broadcast is going on. So good on him for jumping to the other side here, to the dark side of iRacing. He seemed genuinely uh, excited about doing it. It was uh, really good to listen to. Yeah, he was the uh, voice of Indy 500 for the longest time, and I almost feel like he got forced out of that job. And I don't think he's done anything since. Just retirement, I guess. So we're getting closer to build time and getting close enough that we're starting to see a lot of hints about what's coming up in the new build. One of those just announced today, I believe. Hockenheimring, that, that's fun to say, is coming to iRacing. It's, it's basically the location of the German Grand Prix. This is awesome. And what's unique about it is iRacing has not scanning this track. Say what? Yeah, I don't know if that's happened before, has it? No, I don't think it has. And um, the, what's happening is uh, they're using a third-party laser scan. So a uh, third-party has scanned it. Uh, we don't know the details of that. But between the third-party scan data and photographs, they have everything they need to build the track. I, I, oh, I go hope, ahead, Brian. I, I, I was just saying, I just hope that the scan is up to their standards. You know? They they won't use it if it's not, I wouldn't think. Well, it says specifically that it has acquired a high-quality third-party scan data. They're probably not going to say who it's from, but it's probably from a race team that is getting sim work. It's for their sim work, right? So they probably bought F1 team, maybe. Yeah. Some, an F1 team or, or a sports car team or something like that that they're working with because... If it's a high-quality scan, it's going to be for their simulators. So we got another F1 track with a check mark on it. Eventually, they'll get all of them. They're going to have to get an F1 car on here that's up to date. Maybe they're waiting till the new one comes out in 2022, but they're going to have to at some point go get an up-to-date F1 car. Yeah. Now, another neat thing about this is this is a post from iRacing member, uh, staff member Chris Leone. But he also says at the end of this uh, paragraph here, the Hockenheim ring joins a number of circuits that are currently in full production at iRacing, including Weed Sport Raceway, Crandon International Raceway, the streets of Long Beach, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, and Coca-Cola Speedway. iRacing is also working on the design of new Rallycross courses. I wonder so the, a, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say there's a couple new things in there. Crandon, I don't know if I've heard that. Maybe we have. And then uh, the Rally Cross, I think, is new. Is Crandon a dirt track? I'm know. not familiar with all the dirt track. It sounds like a dirt track name, but I could be wrong. Um, I'm wondering if those new Rally Course ones will be just off of actual tracks that they turn and do some dirt with or something, maybe? Like a Sonoma or a Phoenix, like they did with those? Yeah. They can just about do that since those are, that's what was done in real life anyway, right? Most of those tracks are not permanent and are, are just kind of created as they went. You know what they should do? Like some of these old, like, I mean, obviously a street course, they have a lot of street courses at the Rallycross. They should take the Long Beach and make a dirt sections in the Long Beach course because they, they have done that kind of stuff. They've had trucks at Long Beach, yeah. If we want to really go historic, let's get the old Daytona race along the beach. So, 
I'm sorry. I was going to say this is also the only time that I've seen somebody from iRacing besides Greg Meyer say we were getting the Coke Raceway. So this is confirmed. So if, if you guys didn't know, um, the Coca-Cola Raceway was a fictional track that was originally in NASCAR Racing uh, 2003 from Papyrus. And what was it, a three-mile uh, high bank there, something like that? It was Super ridiculous. high bank. Unrestricted. Yeah, it was basically just how fast can you go. That I'm looking looks, forward to that. That'll test the uh, was the carburetor cup type series cars out. Oh, yeah. Imagine the MX-5s driving around that. It would take forever. It wasn't too long ago on this show we would be complaining maybe about them doing fake tracks for Rallycross, for the Coke Speedway and stuff. Now we don't seem to be too worried about it. Well, it's sim racing, but sim racing grants you some freedoms that real life racing doesn't have. Like, like bringing back extinct tracks, like uh, the North Wilkesboro. Right. Lost, lost speedways. <laughs> um, I just think it's it's an interesting way to to you know to complement the sim. It's not it's not like they're going all one way and trying to do it this way. But I also realize they're in a tough t- spot right now. They can't scan anything that's not locally to them right now. They've obviously had to come up with another thing with the COVID pandemic um, and and acquire probably costing them maybe more money than scanning themselves um, to acquire Hockenheim just to keep things going. So who knows how long it'll be until they could actually get it go, you know, fly around the world and, and start doing more scans of things. So this might be the stopgap that we need kind of for a while right now, too, just to have up-to-date stuff all the time. Okay, another announcement of what to be, what's going to be released. And I, this one surprised me. I didn't expect this, but we're getting a new grass model for green grass uh, on each side of the track, so to speak. Uh, it's going to come out with the Weed Sport track, and they've released uh, today on social media... Uh, high-resolution photos of this new grass. Uh, what do you guys think? It looks real. It does look real. Um, my question is, how real is it going to look at, you know, 150 miles an hour or whatever you're running? And how low are we going to have to turn our graphics to still have the frame rate? Because I, I thought about the same thing that you're just going about there, David, when Mike mentioned something about some... Was that you, Mike, that was someone was complaining about that the trees look unrealistic now because the grass is so good? Oh, yeah, everybody has to complain about it because why are you working on grass when we need tracks, you know, built and stuff like that? I think, like I said, this goes back to what I just said before. I don't think people realize what type of world we're in right now. They can't go anywhere, so they got to improve stuff because you all will expect stuff for... Um, these builds, so they got to come up with things that this has probably been in, in works for a long time, anyways. But you know, you can't complain about. You're going to complain if there is no build. And so enjoy what they're actually doing for us. They don't, you know. I, I don't think this is a necessary part to racing. I really could care less what the grass looks like. The only thing that the grass needs to do is I think it needs to have a little bit more friction to it or something that like you can dig in. Um, so maybe this adds that to it. I don't know. I think it's more for broadcasting. It's going to look better on the broadcast, not when you're in the cockpit. You're not going to notice, I don't think, if you're in the cockpit. 
Okay, so the next new thing was uh, none other than Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, released or was given the honor of unveiling the Twitter release of a photo of the Nashville Fairground Speedway that will officially be in the September build for sure. And he put up a high-resolution screenshot of the uh, start-finish line uh, with the word Nashville painted on the across the uh, track. And so, obviously, uh, you can see the grandstands with the uh, signature roof uh, in, out behind the, the fence as well. Pretty cool to give him that honor to announce that since he had so much to do with the scanning of that track and others. Is, is that the track where... Um where companies were trying to buy billboard space because they knew of an upcoming scan? No, that was uh, South Carolina something. What was it? It was Wilkesboro, was it not? No, it was... Uh... No, I think uh, Brian is right. It was Nashville that they were doing it for. Was it? Yeah, I think he's right. If I remember correctly, it was it was Na uh, Nashville that they were doing it because... Because Wiltsburg was already done, and they they saw that the the way they did all the campers and stuff, and and the billboards, the older billboards. So that's why they thought about buying a billboard space. So I think he's right. It is this. It is Nashville. I keep remembering a track in the Carolinas where it, it's a little short track where they always get in fights all the time. Well, that's Bowling Gray. They haven't scanned that one either. No, that's where I think the the billboard was, Bowling Gray. But anyway, who knows? Let's keep moving. Brian, we got three brand new videos. Right. Uh, so iRacing released three videos on YouTube today that were um, that are very informative videos that answer like a lot of commonly asked questions, especially for, for newer uh, participants in um, iRacing. A, a friend of mine um, just started iRacing a couple of months ago, and these are the kind of questions he was asking me as he was getting started. Um, it, it explains what licenses are how to uh, advance in licenses and uh, and uh, all the information you need on that kind of front. Uh, another video is talks about your safety rating, how it's impacted, how to increase it, and what affects it. And then there's a third video with the uh, which uh, explains the minimum participation requirements. So all the all three of these videos are great, um, especially for newer newer drivers who aren't that familiar with the sim and uh, yeah, I think they're uh, quite a, a good asset for uh, iRacer to put out. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Um, they show, you know, where to click in the beta UI, which is very helpful because I've never been a fan of the, how the beta UI is laid out. It's hard to find stuff. And one thing that that kind of threw me off on the licenses video, uh, they show the beta UI how to filter to what I would call official or unofficial racing like if you want to go to carb cup and or delara dash you got to go to unofficial right that's how we would do it but they don't use the word unofficial in the beta ui they use uh, ranked and unranked and uh, i don't think i've ever even heard the term ranked and unranked in iRacing until i saw it in this video and that's how you have to pick or switch between official and unofficial in the beta ui why are they changing terminology is my question. Why can't we just, you know, have the same terminology we've always used? Right. And I think that's been a lot of the issues that people have been having with the beta UI is that these things are not familiar with what you've been using for years. 
Right, and then they change the name of it. And so when you click that filter and you see, you know, those two words, uh, I don't think it's registering in my head what that actually means. But it is means official and unofficial, and I finally get it after watching the video. But I think the overall point is I shouldn't have to watch a video to be able to figure that out. I think a lot of people miss these videos, though. Like, a lot of these things should be... You know, when I first started racing, there was none of this stuff. You had to learn by what's going on for a lot of people is they're asking questions at a lot of forums pages or Facebook and things like that. We need to like these tools need to be used that they've got that they're doing this because I, you know, I was still getting into races, the NIS races the other day, Eric last week, and people weren't didn't realize about the tires still and. There's just a lot of things that people are missing all the time. They're, they're signing up for stuff and not knowing what's going on, right? We're pretty well informed here because we do this show, but you're right. A lot of people aren't. Now, <laughs> I, I'm i going to butcher the name of this next topic here, but a listener, I guess, of our podcast, is it, Mir- is it Mariel? Monica, it's going to uh, be Mar- Mariella. Mariella Monica Montes. Montez, she posted, uh, tagged us on her Instagram, a painting of a race car, um, and it and it actually comes with a, a quick little video of her doing it as well, and I'm I'm so impressed by it. It's a it's a really nice painting. It, it looks like she's got some really good art art on here. So um, thanks for tagging us in this uh, awesome painting. Yeah, it's all in Spanish, so I can't read it, but. Uh... Very cool that uh, listeners are thinking of us as they paint race cars. I love that. So another article that paints a good picture of some of our legends of iRacing is the next topic. Um, Overtake does an article featuring iRacing legends Ray Afella, Gregor Hutu, and Martin Kroenke, as well as a few others. The article is, doesn't go too long into each, but it gives you a nice piece of little information of names that basically are like our Dale Earnhardt's in sim racing. Right, or Jeff Gordon's. Ray Alfala, Gregor Hutu, Martin Kroenke, Max Beneke, and Bono Huis are the targets of this article. And it's basically a brief history, like a paragraph of their uh, history uh, coming up through the, the ranks and, uh, you know, their accomplishments and what they're currently doing. And uh, it's kind of neat for me to read this because uh, just to get a reminder of where these people come from, um, and, and so, for example, let me read the Gregor Hutu one. It says, when you're talking about the best sim racers of all time, you might as well just mention Gregor Hutu in the same sentence. This 40-year-old hailing from Finland has arguably been the most consistent sim racer ever since he started competing. Hutu himself said he started racing with the game Grand Prix Legends. Uh, once again, citing his love for Formula One, the Finn also gained a reputation for improving lap times that were thought to be almost unbeatable before he had a go at them. So nice, uh, it's a nice read. And this is the same uh, website that did the article on Ray Alfala, the long uh, article a couple weeks ago. It's overtake.gg. The thing that gets me with this stuff is these guys, when they got into iRacing or any of the sim racing, did they ever think that they were going to be, you know, front line, front page article guys and, and, and become what they've become by just, you know, 
getting behind a, a, a sim rig and a steering wheel and, and, and on their computer and doing it. Like, it's kind of just, you know, we, we all want to be something someday, but these guys, you know, they've gone out there and done so- something with with their skills. Well, I'm thinking, cool. I'm thinking on a generational level almost, you know, back in the Gen X days when we were kids, if you were good at gaming, you were, that was it. You were a nerd, you know, you know and, the, uh, um, and anybody who was good at it that didn't want to be thought of as a nerd didn't really tell anybody, uh, you know. So, but now that's, they're literally at the top of the heap in their own little niche. Okay, we're going to move on to the release that was put out this morning. It was Season 3, Patch 4, and we have release notes. And uh, I wasn't a big fan of the release notes, and there were some others that weren't fans as well. But, for example, uh, one of the very first sentences doesn't even read right as a sentence. But, um, (laughs) you know, like uh, race control, it says, fixed an issue where a time-limited race finish could sometimes not triggering at all. So that's how it reads, but I think it means that the finish would not trigger if in some scenarios in a time-limited race. But, uh, yeah, I've also read some forum posts uh, this afternoon where Keegan Leahy was begging for some better release notes, at least on the cup car, because, uh, Brian, they made some changes there. Right. Um, according to the new uh, releases, um in the in the update here it seems like uh that the cars are going to be harder to slow down um the tires are going to start looser at the beginning of a run but have more overall grip when they come up to temperature and going over that temperature threshold uh if you overheat the tires it's going to create a larger issue with the handling of the car so it looks like um like some of these uh, release notes are going to um, have targeted the car tires for a bit and uh, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna make the little looser at start of races, uh, which is never good with some of the some of the NIS races when you see people crashing at the beginning of runs. But um, but have more grip in, in the when it's in the normal temperature range. So it it could affect the racing a, a little bit there. Well, we already, as it was, had to set the cars up as loose as we can on the beginning because they almost every track they loosen or they tighten as you go. Um, as far as the cars harder to slow down, they, what they did is they've reduced the brake torque. So what everybody might just have to just recalibrate their brakes, and that'll handle that part of it. I, I would bet you just might have to push, uh, not push your brake in as far. I believe when you're calibrating, and then it'll make it more sensitive. And what, Keegan what, uh, indicated this: it's a half second to one second faster on a long run. That's that's a that's pretty noticeable. I would think, yeah. Well, especially especially on certain tracks, like that's that's a big gap. What else do we need to review besides the cup cars here? That was a, a pretty big release. Uh, I mentioned the race control. Uh, they did some AI racing adjustments uh, with additional training with the BMW uh, GT4 and the Porsche uh, GT4. Every uh, every patch has balance of power changes as they keep swinging back and forth in the in the cup cars or not the cup cars the gt cars um and especially after spa when we all discovered that you could do two less pit stops in the mclaren they they nerfed the fuel mileage on the mclaren new damage model a bunch of listed changes uh in summary as i read through those it sounds like it addressed some of those things where we saw where the 
the wheel would regenerate after it fallen off the car and regenerate and regenerate. Uh, I think they fixed that. It also indicated that they fixed the, the thing where the wheel can be hyper extended up above the fenders where they're up at, like on the hood. Uh, they fixed that. It, they, they also look like they finally addressed the uh, Kentucky problems with the lighting. With the lighting, yep. But not the cautions. The other thing that got me in here, because obviously I, I don't know if it's going to affect me this weekend, but it looks like they've increased uh, some power in the, t the Subaru WRX for the rally part, so I'll be interested to see that for this weekend. Uh, the forums were also blowing up a little bit about the Formula 3 Renault 3.5 car. Significant changes on that car, and they had a separate thread just for that car. Uh, but if you're, I'm not a, I don't even own it, but if you're into that, you might need to check that one out. Uh, the NASCAR uh, Legend car, uh, they had uh, different uh, setups, but draft effects have been improved at medium and small ovals. So um, that'll be cool, I think. I don't know if you guys saw in the one post uh, or when I was going through the things here, um, Eric Hudak actually also posted what they did to the tire um, compound. So it was kind of a look into how they build the compound. So it says oil was added to the compound, which softens the response, adds some grip, and also allows the for a broader peak and less uh, MU fall off uh, past peak. So kind of an interesting way that the way the compounds built up on it oil they just add oil some to oil to it this new tire model is, is basically based on having the tire react to how they mix the different physical compounds they literally just change the parameter on oil or or this material or that material and get it to respond a different way in the sim it's a chemistry experiment well, I'm glad to see they're they're still working on it, you know, and making adjustments. I'm glad, you know, as much as the tires do fall off, uh, I'm glad they we're not in the same boat as they were at the Texas race, where 80 lap old tires could stay in the front. Yeah, the 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 NASCAR tires that in the real real NASCAR, the, the guys hate the tires. They last too long. They're, they they just don't fall off. Well, and it's I I, I actually got a good glimpse into what Goodyear was thinking when you listen to the Dale Jr. download this week he explains what Goodyear would be going through and it totally makes sense why the tire is the way it is but at some point they're going to have to come up with a new a different type of tire for these cars well nobody wants another Indianapolis to happen where they had to throw a caution every seven laps right, they really don't want the tires blowing out um, but they're they're basically Goodyear's in a box. I mean, we're getting off of iRacing, but Goodyear's in a box because the cars have so much downforce and so much corner speed that they can't make the tire yeah, It's not Goodyear's problem that NASCAR picked a crap package with all this high downforce, but uh, I digress. And then took practice away from them, so they can't even test the tires. Speaking of practice, uh, how much do you get to practice for your uh, Cup of Nations, Greg? Uh, well, this has been an interesting topic. Uh, this week um a lot of it we, i can't show on our thing here because a lot of it's got to do with the discord pages um but this vco cup of nations has kind of changed a lot over the week and it's been a very um 
sore subject for some and and others, but they've changed their minds a bunch of times with it. I, I look forward to running in it. It just doesn't seem as special. It doesn't feel as special as it was. I like the idea of being thrown into three different races and not knowing what track or car combo you're going at. We they did release on Monday uh, this week the actual car, the, the ten car possibilities and the ten track possibilities. Out of that, you can figure out some of it, but then there's other ones you can't. So they said the morning of the Sat, which is this Saturday, is the race that starts at noon. They were going to release the the three race combos, and so that you could practice them a little bit beforehand. Well, they push that to tomorrow now. Tomorrow morning, they're going to release the. Uh, um, at least in the Eastern Standard Time Zone, I don't know what that is. It's eight 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 a.m. Eastern in uh, Eastern, so all the other time zones would be based off of that. But it's, it, anyways. But we'll fi- we'll know tomorrow, and and everybody gets a chance to practice then, which kind of does it kind of defeats the purpose of it being a special event, and that's what I was kind of looking forward to because now I'm going up against guys that may. Maybe they're now they got their hand a, li- a little bit better. They can, you know, I'll be able to practice, yes, but they're going to have just even more. I'm going, we're in one of the hard, toughest uh, divisions, so I'm not really, we're not expecting much out of it, but Team Canada wants to try and do as good as we can here. Well, yeah, so they can practice on Friday for the event Saturday. I don't know. I like the idea when it was all in one day, though. The other thing that I did learn this week, too, is, there's the 16 different category or 16 different qualifying teams. Um, they're all going to, when they'd run that race at noon, um, and I don't know what the, how they're spacing the, the races after that, but the first race at noon, every country competes in the same race. You're just, your pool is who you're, you're trying to gain points off of. So someone in a different pool could take out, say, you know, um, Germany's drivers could get taken out by another complete different team in a different pool and we could score points because of it. So you basically got to finish the best in the race you can and try and avoid what's going on. But you're racing all the cars, but you're really not, you're trying to get points off of the the group that you're in. Right. So it makes it, it, it makes it a little more challenging. There's obviously going to be, I think it's the, the first three, um, the first event has three drivers of the four from each team. So someone's going to sit out um, depending on what, you know, what their strengths are. So obviously if we got a good road guy compared to myself, you know, we'll put him in over road. I, you know, I'm okay on road, but I'm, if there's strong, someone stronger than me, but maybe ovals will be more mine over somebody else or dirt or something like that. Did you say dirt? I did. Hmm. Got a dirt pro tip for you. I-Racing member Nick Nabin, or Nick Nabin, posted a note on the forums that the dirt races, in the dirt races, you don't need to serve black flags in the race. The penalties are always served post-race, so it's better to stay on the track. So apparently since a few builds ago, it will not disqualify you from the race, even with a meatball. You just finish the race off and get stuck a lap down, essentially. That's, that's good to know, especially since I've got the Pacific Majors race coming up soon. Uh, that is good to know. And a lot of those dirt tracks, getting on pit road is not easy. Um, there's not like a entrance lane like you see on the big uh, oval 
uh, NASCAR tracks, it's just the open fence sometimes. And a lot of times you're in the racing groove right before you get into it. It's not easy to get into the pit road at all. Well, yeah, there's, I don't think there's any dirt races where you actually have in race pit stops unless you have damage. So they're not designed to have at hot pits, basically. Well, stay out, stay out, stay out, no matter what. That's the, the pro tip. Uh, next up, uh, listener review, uh, this time at chartable.com. We don't get many uh, listener reviews over there, but uh, and it doesn't even show me who left the review either. Uh, um, but anyway, it says this. This is a podcast all sim racers and prospective sim racers should be subscribed to. The crew is very informative in all things sim racing with a focus on the iRacing platform, immense amount of knowledge from gear and equipment, sim rigs, racing series, news, and future events, a must-have weekly podcast. Thank you for that review. We just need to copy that and paste it on our front page. And speaking of Chartable, we'll go into housekeeping next. Uh, tell me, where am I don't have this podcast? Find me a platform out there that hosts podcasts that doesn't have the iRacers Lounge or the Aftermath. Because uh, we need to get those on every podcast platform in the planet. And I think I have them out there. But if I'm missing one, I need my listeners to let me know. And with that, uh, we're in regular rotation over at the Performance Motorsports Network. Uh, look who joined us, Tony Groves. Tony, remind me, how many listens do we get over at PMN? Well, I don't think we have an actual number, but we do reach a potential of, what is it, uh, between 500,000 to a million listeners? In a week. Yes, that's right. That is per week. Per week, apparently. Yeah, that's what they told us. So um, that's a little bit higher than our regular podcast numbers, but we're happy to be involved with uh, PMN over there. And with that, let's go right to fantasy since Tony jumped in. I'm going to put him right on the spot. What do you got? Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Oh, what do I got? Well, I mean, uh, it's Thursday night and we are racing. We're racing at Kansas tonight. So I hope everybody got their picks in. By the time they hear this, the race will be almost over or it will be over because they'll be listening to it tomorrow. Um, But uh, boy, oh boy, Sunday, that was uh, a bit of a nail biter. Not so much with the racing. <clears throat> except you know the, the very end but uh there was a bit of a a, a mix-up on on the uh the app uh, I, I was trying to it was about 20 laps to go and i wanted to to swap out my garage pick and i couldn't everything was locked down and i i went searching around and you know it was um almost 30 laps in people couldn't switch so we weren't quite sure what was uh, what was going on, but uh, basically what they did is they, they noticed that the screw-up happened, and when you went to go make your picks today, or there's a nice little message at the top saying, we're aware of it, apologize, um, and what they did was uh, they basically eliminated the, um, the lowest scoring uh, drivers so that you had in your lineup uh, because you couldn't make that, that garage pick. Um, and I thought that was a very nice, uh, way to do it. And you don't, 
was trying to find the uh, the actual write up, but there was a thing there saying that uh, I don't know if it was the garage pick that didn't count or if um, your whole lineup uh, didn't get counted as a as a usage. But at the very least, it was your garage pick because I was able to take my garage pick from last week and put him right into my lineup this week, and uh, I, I didn't. Uh, I still got the same amount of uses, so that absolutely helps. Um, with that being said, uh, because of them doing that, I was actually able to maintain uh, my lead. It's not by very much, mind you, but um, I still have it because if uh, if we couldn't swap out my garage picks, boy, I was hurting last week, and I, I definitely would have lost that lead. But I think we're, we're only about um, about eight points, eight or nine points. I'm in the lead. Just in time, he's he's right on my tail. He's he wants that spot back, and uh, you know the the challenge is on. Um, Chris Scales, Jedi McFly, he's not too far back either. He's like you know one one solid race from him, or one bad race from from me, or just in time, and he's uh, he's right in the mix. Uh, GI Joe <clears throat> is in uh, fourth. Smiling Ninja is fifth. Laird Racing six. KBM is in seventh romance girl is in eighth res dog is in ninth and carrie seal is in 10th place mike you still haven't moved my man you're uh you're holding that 12th spot very very strong i'm just waiting for you guys to falter i'll be right there i figured that's what you're doing just kind of laying in the weeds a little bit waiting to pounce um greg i see you're being uh You've been active. You're, uh, I think you fell back a little bit, though, did you not? Uh, I'm still in the same spot. I was 20th the last two weeks. I uh, I think one of the weeks I didn't make any changes at all during the race. I just didn't get a chance to. But last week's with that screw-up, I was kind of worried. Yeah, well, luckily they, uh, they, they took care of you. Hopefully it worked out in your favor. Um, we got... Eight races left, and it's it's all it's all. This this is where all the strategy comes out. Like, did you did you hold your stuff back? Uh, you, you know your 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 top guys, your Kevin Harvick's, your Denny Hamlin's, uh, Ryan Blaney's. Um, you know, do you have enough of them to to make it to the end, or are you now, uh, you know, looking a little deeper into the field, looking for those, uh, um, those. Uh, just sleeper picks and Austin we've got... Dillon. <laughs> yeah i mean who would have guessed that right like if you had him in your lineup man you, you you got a lot of points over that guy but we've got some interesting tracks coming up we got a double header at michigan we got double double header is it a double header or is just twice in a row at dover um we've got a new road course coming up that nobody's been on um and then restrictor plate and daytona to yeah to, to finish out the regular season uh i love that i absolutely love the idea of having that restrictor plate to finish off the end of the season for fantasy wise i mean it is an absolute crapshoot it's it kind of plays into everybody's hand because everybody should be out of the top guy picks by then if not um you're just you're you're, you're really wasting them so it gives that gives a good chance for um for everybody to just you know 
luck out and grab those lucky points um and then watching it too is just awesome it might might get a, a new guy into the chase that wouldn't normally be there so yeah, i'm taking quinn huff for the daytona race good job <laughs> and you'll be swapping out the garage pick by lap two <laughs> i don't know if he takes any more pit stops like he did he may not make it to daytona well he caused the big one if he tries to go from the outside to the pit road oh boy oh boy yeah that's i don't know that that I, I don't want to, I almost want to say poor Quinn Huff, but he's like beating a dead horse at this point in time. But yeah, he keeps it interesting. Well, we laugh about what he's doing in NASCAR, but there's a lot of people on here that do the exact same thing. Uh, yes, uh, we see it a lot, but there is a huge starking, you know, huge stark difference between what we see on TV and what we see on on the monitors and the and the skill level that that's supposed to bring. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's jump into hardware software. Uh, David, I called this one the Holy Grail. Yeah, and it's hard to comment on it because you can't see the picture. I don't know if you saw this one when directly but on the script i can't see the picture and all i can do is read oh, i can text. see it well what it is is there's no t link because uh, it's a closed facebook group which i absolutely hate and you can't link to it but anyway uh the screenshot shows uh douglas ingram has decided to uh strip down his racing rig and he's going to build the holy grail of racing rigs he's got He's going to incorporate the SFX100 system, which is a do-it-yourself D-box. Then they're going to put the GS5 on top of that, the motion seat. And then he's going to take the whole thing and put it on top of the next level racing traction loss uh, system. So is that 6DOF? I don't know. You got the up and down on each corner with the the, D, the SFX 100. Then you got the, the motion seat on top of that. And then you have the traction loss below that. And so uh, I, I really think that if you're going all out, this is the route to take. If um, I'd like to see if this guy has, has that, some testimonial on that G5 seat. You know, well, how does it work in conjunction with all that other motion? It's really the question, you know. Because I would think this a regular seat would be okay with all that other stuff he, he has. The D-box and the traction locks. All right. So next up, uh, I have a company review. Um, this is fp0.co.uk. And uh, they're obviously in the UK. And they offer a couple different simulators uh, ready to race. Uh, they they don't they sell it as a package, and they have two of them. They have the Club Sport Simulator at five thousand eight hundred eighty uh, euros or pounds, I should say, um, and then they have the Pro Two Simulator uh, at fourteen thousand nine hundred fifty pounds. Uh, that comes with training and pro support. And uh, if you check out the, the cockpits and the rigs, um, 
you know, it, it's a basic metal stationary rig. Uh, they got Fanatec components, it looks like, and a, a nice widescreen curved monitor and stationary seat. Uh, it doesn't say anything about the computer and whatnot, but I just don't know how it adds up to 5800 yeah, I don't I don't see that kind of value in that. I don't either. Only if the well, if it's, if it's got a DD on there and a high-end computer, maybe if that's included in the price. And and maybe you're paying a convenience for the package, you know, you're letting these guys decide everything, pick the components, put them together, probably even set it up for you, who knows. Okay, and then I'm going to move right to the next one. This is uh, a new cockpit announcement by Wave Italy on Instagram. And uh, <clears throat> they call it the uh, Jepard Maranello. And uh, boy, it has some interesting lines to it, I guess is how I would describe this one. I mean, what do you guys think of the design? I, I think it's a, a really cool looking design. It's very sleek looking. Looks kind of carbon fibery. Um, looks looks very Formula One style to me. Yeah, very sleek. Lots of curves and the way that it's kind of up off the ground, you know, and the, like it's like the, where your feet are down at the ground, but the seat and everything are like up in the air. I don't get it. They do have a video they put out on Instagram. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, a marketing kind of video and it doesn't show a lot of good pictures of it. So it's kind of hard to describe, but I almost want to say it's a Harley without wheels. It's a CG trailer too. So you don't actually know what it's going to look like for real. Right. It's got the curves of a Harley. And that's the way I, I would describe it without wheels or something like that. If you could imagine. It reminds me of one of those racer pod things from Star Wars. Right. It, it is a very neat look. And so uh, we've seen some neat stuff from Wave Italy. So now they got this cockpit coming. There's a lot of cockpits made overseas. Like, it just seems like a lot of the things that we, 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 we talk about in here are all overseas in Italy, UK, and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's really good to see over there. But, we, you know, the options are, are, it's really hard to ship from over there too, right? Man, got to pay a ton of ship to ship it over here. Yeah, expensive to ship, for sure. The Sim Lab was about $200, I believe, to get it over here without the seat. I got the seat locally. Huh. Well, uh, speaking of overseas rigs, here's another one from a company called uh, Sim Racing Workshop. Um, they sell, uh, it looks like an 8020 system, and it's a little different than other 8020 systems as it looks like you just you get the base uh, model where you would attach your seat and pedals and you kind of just add the components to it that you need depending on i guess what um what type of wheel and uh and shifters and such like that uh come that you use already so it's uh seems like it's very easy to uh upgrade and add add the function that you need to it yeah, they have an 8040 uh, rig at 350 uh, euros. And then, you, like you said, you have to buy everything else to go with it. You have to get the wheel deck, the monitor mount, the pedal assembly, 
and you buy those separately, which one you want, and then you get it all together as a package. Right. They have a, a rig builder where you kind of just like uh, start with the base frame and then you just add to it the, the components you want. Almost like if you order compo a computer online and you just add all the different accessories uh, that you that you want to use. Is the 4040 uh, material smaller? Is that different than it's obviously different than 820, 4040 is smaller uh, bars then? Well, squares, not rectangle, right? Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, these look like nice uh, rigs, you know, and if you're in the area of the UK, this might be a good resource. I kind of like the way they go at it on their site about how, you you know, you can build, you get, you basically start off with something and you can add the stuff to it. It's not like you're buying a fully built rig and then you're trying to add some stuff later to it you know you can you can go through and piece what you want and and make it that way which is kind of a cool option right you don't get stuff you don't need you know correct or or stuff that's made for a different system that that you're going to be using i like their monitor mounts too uh, they kind of have a unique look it's kind of like a like a wishbone arm type that holds it up I'd call it more of a boomerang. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. Or, a or a hockey stick. <laughs> now, we're now doing psychological uh, cloud picture analysis. Well, how many, how many different pictures do you see? <laughs> what we don't need to analyze or do any analysis on is this next um, shifter we got. So Racer X Pro V, uh, sorry, the Pro V8 shifter. Um, Mike, I saw that you commented on their Instagram page here. Um, there's no link for actually the page. Did you ever find one from them? No, I asked them for a link. Uh, it, it, this is a work in progress. Apparently, it's not uh, for sale. Uh, they did reply. It will be available in the next months. Uh, currently, we don't have a point of sale yet. It's a really and this nice is from SimLab, though. though. Oh, it's from SimLab? Right. It's really nice, though. I, I really like the, the actual design to it. Um, obviously, it's just a, a sequential shifter. So I think what's interesting is racex.store posted this, not simlab.eu. But simlab.eu is the one who responded to my question. Okay, So I guess this might be a front or a, a different kind of brand for them or an offshoot. That's part of SimLab. It's called RaceX. Is that maybe why the link isn't working yet? Maybe. Like it, it doesn't look like it's a different type of rig that they're even showing on their Instagram page too, right? Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to tie together who's who with this, but um, I, I haven't. I, that's just my guess. Uh, obviously, SimLab answered my question. Like they are the person who's building this device. But it looks nice. I mean, it looks metal and sturdy. And Well, if I don't get the G-seat, I might just get this rig, because wow. Are these the same, aren't these the same, same guys that did the pedals we looked at last week that were in the really hefty case? That, that was oh, the, the Wave Italy. The pedals Italy. was Wave Italy. Well, okay. All right. Um, anyway, this has got six degrees of freedom. Nice uh, Evo custom seat in there. Uh, it's tubular metal framing 
but really the it the the the, the frame is floating completely on six pistons and um yeah it's it's just nice looking i would run vr but it's also got uh i can't tell if the monitors are stabilized or or roll oh, they with, move with too. the chair they do move okay yeah i should and this actually has oil uh reservoirs in different places for the for some of the moving parts where you can actually see the oil level um and the hydraulic uh brake mm-hmm. and the hydraulic yeah, and it's got some speakers already mounted on the back and the six degrees of freedom it just looks impressive the way it, it it's got the six different rotors in lined up in three triangles and it can just it can do all six different types of motion and even on their website they've got videos of each different type of motion it's kind of got a bit of that futuristic look like the the tubular design is um is really really nice and they got these big beefy actuators like they these are some serious looking actuators and they've they've put some style in it they've got their um you know their logos on it and stuff like that but they the whole yeah. thing just has a real nice flow to it most of the actuators we see have a cylinder right that instead of a instead of a, a box or type uh shell yeah yeah and then they've covered the top of the actuators that actually hook to the um to the rig itself um with like a a shock type covering dust um, shield yeah yeah it's just it's a nice looking rig and it, it looks very compact as well it doesn't look like it takes up a ton of floor space well that's what i was about to say the power supply and uh all the stuff is directly below I mean, in the middle, underneath the seat. And this thing takes uh, a lot of power, man. Uh, the power requirements, you ain't plugging this baby into the wall. It takes 230 volts, 16 amps. So that would be the other size socket. You'd have to... Well, sp- <laughs> what are they running in Europe? They run, do they, run, they run 220 in Europe, don't they? Yeah, this might work in Europe, yeah. But 16 amps, that's a special... That's a lot of power. That would be a special. You'd have to get an electrician to your house for that. Yeah, yep. half the breakers in in a breaker box are just 15 amp. Right, and so you, yeah, if you bought this in the U.S., you'd have to have special power in your room for it. The price thirty two thousand five hundred euros. I take back what I said. I'll just get the G seat. Sold. <laughs> Sold. So that comes with monitors and PC and uh, everything. No, those are options on top of it. Oh, sorry. $3,000 for the gaming PC. VR is $1,500. Which and, VR are they given? Wow. And three monitors is $1,200 at 32-inch displays. I mean, if you're dropping that kind of coin, you might as well spend a little extra and finish it off. Well, you're looking at 40 plus and then if you're gonna ship it i'm sure it's gonna be very expensive to ship that it's gonna need its own truck crate well that platform doesn't look like it's you oh, it has to be that, assembled yeah it's probably that just that bottom platform with the power supply is probably three by three at least yeah, so More. it's like shipping's furniture for sure the rest of it could probably be assembled and compacted a little bit 
I'd be nervous to try and assemble this. Look at where they have the speakers. Um, there's one screenshot that shows them pretty good. There's two right behind the seat where the actuators hook, kind of pointing up. And then there's two in the front on either side of the wheel. And I just love the placement of that. And then look where they put the keyboard. It's like kind of Velcroed to those those bars. See those, see Mike, my speakers for my setup, right where those hole cutouts in the back of the seat are on my seat, that's where I put my speakers. Yeah. A beautiful, beautiful setup. And uh, boy, boy, that's a lot of money. That's what it's all about, dreaming, right? Okay, we got another one. Uh, this is a Spanish website, srpsimracing.com. And uh, this, we're just going to do a company review. Uh, they have several different sim products here, uh, specifically uh, handbrakes, uh, steering wheels, displays, uh, and, and button boxes. And uh, so... If you're, uh, I don't know exactly what country this is. I haven't figured that out yet. But, uh, yeah, check them out. SRPSimRacing.com. They have a, a handbrake here that shows it's 80 euros. It's, it's either Spain or Latin America. I think it's Spain. Tienda is a store. But I kind of like their little uh, handbrake. Uh, it's pretty low profile. Looks like you bolt it right onto the some eighty twenty or something, and uh, but yeah, really low profile. Okay, well, uh, we're gonna do one more, Brian, before we move on. Okay, next up is uh, from uh, SRM, and it is a new product. It's a Fanatec wheel emulator. So what this device does is it makes the base think that there's a Fanatec Formula wheel attached and therefore provides the force feedback. So if you're using a non-Fanatec wheel on a Fanatec wheelbase, this will let you feel the force feedback effects uh, for, for a non-Fanatec wheel. So uh, that seems like a really good product to have, which would really open up your possibilities as to what, what rims you want to get without having to get the Fanatec universal hub, because the universal hub would do that as well. But uh, this looks like it's a, a, a good alternative to that. Yeah, 126 euros, uh, much cheaper alternative for sure. I always thought it was kind of dirty of Fanatec to make it where they, you had to use their wheels without some kind of tool like this. Well, well, here it is. Now it's available. So uh, it's a great idea, great product. It works on the CSLs, the CSWs, and it works on the podium um, force feedback wheelbases, the uh, Podium DD1, DD2. Yeah, the website there, simracingmachines.com. Uh, so check them out. They also sell, uh, apparently, paddle uh, replacements that are one millimeter thicker than what Fanatec provides uh, for their Fanatec Advanced Podium module. Uh, and they also have a nice wheel bag uh, for sale if you want to put your wheel in a bag. That one millimeter th thicker is actually interesting because I have the advanced p power module and I actually had to get a warranty replacement on one of the keys that the one that I one of the, the upper key I would use for boosting in the LMP and it started bending on me. 46 euros. David, order it up. Not bad. All right, let's move into uh, results. Now it's off week. So uh, what are we going to talk about? 
Um, I don't know. So well, we finished we just, up New Hampshire, New right? Hampshire, yeah. And so uh, Sunday open. Well, who ran Friday? I don't know. Our Friday ran, results got erased. Yeah, I ran Friday night. I got wrecked out by net code. I was passing a wreck uh, down the front straightaway, and I had cleared it, but uh, all of a sudden I got spun up towards the wall, and I went back and looked at it. I, I was probably about a foot, foot and a half away from a car, and it turned me into the wall, kind of upset about it, but it is what it is with a sim, right? Okay, and then Sunday opened, uh, David? Well, I did run Friday as well. and uh, In fact, I was in top split. Uh, weren't you in that one with me as well? Didn't you end up making it? Or... Maybe I did. I, I don't think we took notes no, about it. No, this when, is the one. That's when Mike was breaking that news about uh, Park the Kligerman. He oh, was I got wrecked. I, I went and looked. I got wrecked. I finished 35th. So, uh, yeah, I was out early. Well, I, I was on this one. Now, it was a really high strength of field. Uh, and I was literally like the last car number. Um, made it all I remember now made it up to about 13th so the way the tire strategy was working out um, I was in really good shape to probably get a top 10 I was excited you know gonna get a, get another good finish uh, because of being able to run long runs and two cars on this long run get into each other right in front of me and I get down as low as I can to try to avoid it and get clobbered into the wall and destroyed um, and you know I I was I'll, I'll finish up with how New Hampshire went but the comment I went back and watched it and the commentators had it right I definitely get a lot of bad luck on especially on Friday nights at NIS yeah I, it's it's amazing how I mentally blocked out my 35th finish I don't remember what happened but I blocked it out I actually in I was running in the back because I was down on horsepower all the, the the whole time but I managed to get the lucky dog and um coming to the last restart there was after the white flag there was a ridiculous amount of carnage big huge wreck I think it was a green white checkered and it was one of those points where I just aimed for a hole and floored it because you know we're coming to the line and I managed to go from like 28th to 20th cut through all that carnage in from turn four to the to the start finish Save some eye rating. Okay, and then Sunday you got P13 and caution free. I didn't. That's what it says. That's from the week before. Okay. Then we have off week this week, which is driving me nuts, and I can't believe it's this week and you, next week. You missed two, Mike. Down at the bottom. Miss? Down at the yeah, bottom. It's all out of order. Yeah, it's it's, it's mixed up here. Oh, I see. So, okay, Greg, so you pick up where I left off because I'm lost. Uh, Hall, it looks like, it doesn't say where you, it says P-Rect, uh, you're forced into the wall by someone aggressive. Yeah, the same over-aggressive person that I've been having trouble with all year, really. Oh, uh, um, I remember this now. I regret, here's, the truth is, I regret reacting to it. I, I didn't actually get touched by, by him, but he came up so high that I jerked to the right and caught the wall and lost enough momentum that the guy behind me wrecked me. Um, but the, it wasn't the guy behind me's fault. Um, however, if I had just stayed straight, he would have turned right in front of me and they would have plowed him to us either way. So it was uh, it was ridiculous crowding and the guy's not getting another inch. Okay. Yeah, you, you got to race somehow, they race you, right? Okay, and I found my place. So Greg, it says you finished P1 Lobster. Yeah, this was, 
I was listening to David's race uh, going on while I'm trying to. Um, I'm under caution for the last total, like uh, the last like 30 laps was like caution fest. But up until then, I was doing fine in the race. I, the, the setup was good and everything, but I had gotten in an incident and I went all the way back to 20, somewhere in the high 20s. And I had two sets of tires left. And everybody else had three. Um, and then we we did a run there. Nobody went and got tires, so I decided to take up to go down to one set. And I drove my way through the field back up to the top ten. And then the caution came out with like the thirty to go, and I ended up going to third place. And then there were two cars in front of me stayed out on old tires, and um, was able to drive past them. And the caution came out. And then we just kept getting caution after caution. And then it went to the green white checkers. Now, what pissed me off about the way this is, I was kind of nervous because the guy that had the newest tires was in fourth spot when we started going to green-white checkers. So I kind of had a gap so I could, and I could take off and do what I needed to on the green-white checkers. We got to the second green-white checkers. I had taken the white flag and then the caution came out and it did another green-white checker. And I, I thought I was going to lose this race because the guy that had the newest tires was now starting on the outside of me. Well, I was able to get going early on that restart and enough time to get to turn one. And they literally had the biggest wreck I've ever seen. The guy, I'm hoping the guy that caused that wreck got protested because he didn't even break. He kind of used like 12 tires to try and get in the corner. Um, I don't know what it was, but I, I thank him for causing the caution because I, I want it. But it, man, it was it was good to get a win, but. You know, that was all on tire strategy and, and, and stuff like that. Hey, a win's a win, man. Well done. All right, Brian, uh, we got you on here. P5, nice run. Yeah, I, uh, start, I actually started in the back. I didn't take a qualifying lap, so I uh, started towards the back. I wasn't real comfortable uh, with the setup. Um, it was a little looser than what I, what I normally would like to use, especially on the corner exit. So uh, I wanted to give myself some room in the back there and uh, get the car underneath me uh, and and kind of uh, see if I can make my way through the cautions I knew were coming. And, and they did. Uh, and I did real well getting through those. Um, around lap 48, I did get a little front-end damage from a car that spun out in front of me, but uh, I was able to repair it within, you know, within 30 seconds. It wasn't too bad. So got back out on the track and uh, drove up to P5. So uh, uh, I, I felt like the car would come to me a little bit better in longer runs, but there wasn't a whole lot of those. But uh, I think uh, it, it was a good good finish for me, I think. All right, well done. Let's talk other official uh, racing here. Um, NASCAR Legends is at Charlotte. I got a P7 on the first night. Uh, got 10x uh, incidents and stuff that really wasn't about me. Uh, had about 40 seconds damage. I had a really good pit stop though that got me up to fourth and then I faded back to seventh. So uh, my best finish of the week so far. I also ran again last night, I think it was, and I got a, a 11th and wasn't very happy with that. I also ran the Sprint Cup car, the Sprint car at Lanier pavement and finished 14th. Uh, it was a mess. It was a big caution fest and they don't count caution laps. So it lasted forever. 
and I had damage, so I wasn't fast. And so I was like last car in the lead lap. But towards the end, I lost a couple laps because of my damage. But I just held on and uh, soldiered home. 14th out of like 20. Love that car. It's really hard, though. And with that, let's jump to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Well, uh, I'm glad to get back in the recent, although uh, from vacation, although, um, you know, we got two weeks off now for the NIS, but uh, I'm going to run some uh, some road racing because it's, it's something I like to do every once in a while when I get get a lull in the action. And I am going to run a couple, I think, uh, 87 uh, Monte Carlo races, try to try to uh, get some races in there. I actually haven't. I've, I've tested a lot of tracks, but I haven't actually done any official racing yet for it. So I'm going to I'm going to get a couple races in in the next week or two with that stuff. All right, get at it. It's a blast. Uh, I'm looking for more people to join us on those NASCAR legend races. David Hall, final thought. Speaking of vacation, mine's over. Uh, we already started workshops this week. In fact, uh, going over how we're going to do online versus blended training. It's a quite stressful situation because a lot of the kids really want to be there, get away from their homes. A lot of them don't have great homes. Um, and at the same time, there's going to be some parents who don't want them there. I know there's only about two or three of our, our kids who are in the high school that have said they want to go do go the virtual route. Uh, we have a lot of strict health guidelines that we're going to be going for. We basically can only practice outside and we have to stand 12 feet apart. Uh, we're probably not going to go to any competitions this year. Uh, and that's going to disappoint a lot of them, but we get, we got to do what we got to do. Um, but the next few weeks, uh, things are going to get very busy. All right. Very good. Uh, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, I'm just looking forward to the, uh, my, uh, league race tonight, the, uh, iRacing Stock Car Association race. Um, we're at, uh, Phoenix. I'm going to get off here off the podcast after this and hop in the practice room and get ready for the race. Um, yeah. And this weekend I'm, I'm going to be having my stream up all weekend for all the racing for the, uh, VCO cup of nations. Um, I look forward to that. Um, so you can come watch me on my stream at, uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's cactus, two K's and, uh, come support, uh, me, I'm going to be representing Team Canada, and uh, hopefully we can make it on to Sunday and uh, maybe take take home some cash. All right, get it, get it, get it. Tony Groves, final thoughts. Ah, not a whole bunch. Uh, I worked late today, so I was happy to be able to jump in and talk some fantasy. That was awesome. Uh, raised some OBRL last night, and... Uh, Man, we were at uh, Kansas in the trucks, and holy cow, I, I was really, really slow. Um, thankfully, though, there was a, a wreck kind of early on that took out the majority of the field. So uh, with that, I was able to squeak out a top 10, came in eighth place. Nice run. Very well. OBRL. Check those guys out. All right, uh, my final thoughts. Uh, man, I don't know what to do with myself with these two off weeks in NIS. Apparently for the Olympics, that never actually happened. And so how, how the Olympics somehow affects me not doing iRacing in a roundabout way, I don't know. But it, it is odd. And So I've been running hosted. I've been uh, kind of poking around and hosted and 
I ran into Tim Duggar earlier today, uh, the country superstar. He was hosting Super Late Models at Kansas, and I've run with him a couple times in some other hosted events. So that was fun, and that's what I'm going to be doing tonight. Uh, I'm not very good at Charlotte and the Legends, so I think I'm done over there, uh, and I'm just going to try to find something to run. And with that. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the tracks.